Our reading this evening is from Genesis 18, which you'll find on page 17 of the Church Bibles. Genesis 18. The Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre while he was sitting at the entrance to his tent in the heat of the day. Abraham looked up and saw three men standing nearby. When he saw them, he hurried from the entrance of his tent to meet them and bowed low to the ground. He said, If I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord, do not pass your servant by. Let a little water be brought, and then you may all wash your feet and rest under this tree. Let me get you something to eat, so you can be refreshed, and then go on your way, now that you have come to your servant. Very well, they answered, do as you say. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah. Quick, he said, get three sears of the finest flour and knead it and bake some bread. Then he ran to the herd and selected a choice tender calf and gave it to a servant who hurried to prepare it. He then brought some curds and milk and the calf that had been prepared and set these before them. While they ate, he stood near them under a tree. Where is your wife, Sarah? they asked him. There, in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, which was behind him. Abraham and Sarah were already very old, and Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself as she thought, After I am worn out and my Lord is old, will I now have this pleasure? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Sarah was afraid, so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. When the men got up to leave, they looked down towards Sodom and Gomorrah, sorry, towards Sodom. And Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he has promised him. Then the Lord said, The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grievous, that I will go down and see if what they have done is as bad as the outcry that has reached me. If not, I will know. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there were fifty righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the fifty righteous people in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing. 
to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. Far be it from you. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? The Lord said, If I find fifty righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham spoke up again, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, what if the number of the righteous is is five less than fifty? Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five people? If I find forty-five there, he said, I will not destroy it. Once again he spoke to him, What if only forty are found there? He said, For the sake of forty, I will not do it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak. What if only thirty can be found there? He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. Abraham said, Now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, what if only twenty can be found there? He said, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, May the Lord not be angry, but let me speak just once more. What if only ten can be found there? He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left, and Abraham returned home. Thanks, Roger, very much. Let's, um, uh, let's pray and ask God to help us to understand that. Father, thank you for uh, uh, Genesis. Thank you for Genesis chapter 18, as Richard's just read for us. And we pray, Father, please, that you would um, teach us stuff that we don't know now, underline things that we do know. Uh, we pray, Father, that at the end of this, that you will, uh, we would love you more and that we would better understand what it means to pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. Well, I wonder who you'd most like to have a one-to-one with and what you'd like to ask them. That could be asked, worth asking someone just at the end of the service. Who, who would you most like to have a one-to-one with? What would you like to ask them? Well, uh, um, I think my most memorable one-to-one was actually with the Duke of Edinburgh. Uh, I don't wish to boast, but uh, it does feel quite poignant now as uh, Prince Philip is uh, 96 and he retired from official business, official duties this week. Uh, my one-to-one went like this. He was visiting our school. And uh, uh, he was opening some new building or other. And as part of this, for some bizarre reason, my school had uh, chosen me as one of the people who should be doing some art in the art block. Bad choice, okay? I'm, I'm the worst artist in the world. Anyway, we were told that what you need to do is uh, you just need to get your head down and be concentrating on what you're doing. And when Prince Philip and the entourage arrive, then just simply uh, be polite, smile, and uh, explain to him uh, what you're doing. So uh, I, was, I was really focused. I can't remember what, it, what I was doing, but I was really focused on it, really concentrating hard. Uh, and uh, I remember it was just here, and the doorway was there that the entourage came in. I missed it. I didn't hear them come in. And then there was this voice just above my head saying something like, so um, uh, what's happening here then? Now at this point, I just shot bolt upright, realized that I was face to face with the Duke of Edinburgh, and I said, oh? (laughs) 
At which point, one of my friends on the left just explained to him carefully what we were trying to do. And uh, the Duke said, oh, very good, and then walked off. So uh, my one-to-one with the Duke of Edinburgh consisted of, ah, and that was it. So um, that's about as good as it gets, really. Well, this evening, we've got a one-to-one. And it is a one-to-one that we see here in Genesis chapter 18. Uh, this isn't part of the series on Genesis that we're doing. Next week, that resumes. Simon's going to be speaking on Genesis 5. Enjoy that one. And, uh, uh, but as part of our Sunday evenings through the year, we're looking at uh, seeking to help us to fulfill one of our, our top goals for 2017, that is learning to be a praying people. Uh, and so this evening, we've got to praying like Abraham. That's what we're thinking about, praying like Abraham. Actually, we've no idea what Abraham looked like. It could be like that. But uh, he was having here a one-to-one with God Almighty. And now the focus is going to be on verses 16 to 33, okay? But uh, I ask that we should have the whole of the chapter read because we need bits from here in these first verses in order to help us to see the context. So verse 18, uh, chapter 18 and verse 1, the Lord appeared to Abraham near the great trees of Mamre, or however it's pronounced. Look at verse 13 there. The Lord said to Abraham, uh, the Lord is speaking to Abraham here. Verse 17, for instance, then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? And so on. Now, the Lord here, it says he's accompanied by two men. They're most likely two angels. So it is God, but also with two angels as well, referred to here as two men. Uh, And then it says, Abraham is having a one-to-one with God Almighty. Or was it God Almighty having a one-to-one with Abraham? Well, we'll come to that under point two. But uh, first of all, there are six points, as you see from the back of the uh, order of service. And the first one this is here is just simply to point out the privilege of prayer. The privilege of prayer. Now, uh, there are times in life, aren't there, when you just feel hugely privileged. I was just thinking of one of those um, when Anna and I, uh, when we were on sabbatical, got as, got as far away from home as we've ever been. Uh, we were on the South Island of New Zealand, down near Dunedin. And just if you go a little bit further uh, away from Dunedin, you go down, uh, down next past the lock, and, uh, uh, and that's where you see these. Those are royal albatrosses with their chicks. Now, a royal albatross, you can't get the idea of how big these things are. The, the, the wingspan of an adult royal albatross is 12 feet. It's kind of big, okay? It's a very, very... And not only are they big, they're also quite mysterious. Oh, and they can also pee an awful long way, okay? They don't get in the way of a royal albatross. But anyway, um, these, birds are quite, these birds are quite mysterious. They just disappear, and we've only found out fairly recently that uh, they, they, they actually flew, fly around the, the world. They fly around the Southern Ocean once they've had their babies. And no one knew how fast they would fly until once a guy was flying his helicopter down the lock near Dunedin and said that he radioed in to say, you know no one knows how fast a Royal Albatross can fly? Well, I've just been overtaken by one. And he was going about 90 miles an hour or something. So these are extraordinary birds, and we count it, count it, we count it still a real privilege to have uh, uh, just been there and, uh, and watched them and they're young. But any privilege you've had ever comes nowhere near the privilege of praying. It is just as simple as that. So look at verse 22 here, for instance. 
uh, where uh, Abraham says, the men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Now, um, just have a look, just down the bottom of the page where it says D, and it says it could say the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Now, what's most likely to be right? In other words, you're standing there as if you've kind of gone in to see the head teacher or somewhere, or some, something like that, okay? So you're standing and this person's sitting there. So it's, uh, uh, this is quite significant, isn't it? Was it the Lord standing before Abraham, or was it Abraham standing before the Lord? How do you know what's most likely to be right? Well, the answer to that is usually the most unlikely one. Because obviously what's happened is that some monk or someone at some point, as this stuff was being uh, copied, so that we would still have copies of this now, uh, looked at it and thought, well, you couldn't possibly have this happening. So obviously it was just got round the other way. So, so you have to ask yourself, is, it unlo- is, is the most unlikely thing here Abraham standing before the Lord or the Lord standing before Abraham? You see, if it was the Lord standing before Abraham, the guy who was copying it probably thought, that can't be right, so I'll change it. So I reckon the most likely thing here, don't worry if you sort of miss the argument there, but I reckon the most likely thing is that the Lord stood before Abraham. The Lord stood before Abraham. And that phrase carries the idea of coming in to stand before your boss or stand before the one who you're going to serve. And if that's true, and if I'm right, then God is standing before Abraham as his servant. As his servant's words. The Lord, the God Almighty, stands before Abraham to serve him, to help him, to listen to him, to develop him for Abraham's benefits. Now that means that when we pray, we may think of God coming and standing before us to listen to us, to hear us, and to serve us. God Almighty, standing before us, wanting us to pray, listening as a servant would. I think that is an extraordinary picture and an extraordinary privilege. And prayer is a one-to-one with God Almighty. And it is a one-to-one with God Almighty who is there before us to listen as a servant would. That is an amazing thought. That is an encouraging thought, isn't it? And doesn't that make you feel, actually, this praying business is rather good. I want to do it. That's the first point. The extraordinarily privilege of praying. Second thing here is this. The initiative of prayer. The initiative of prayer. Now, initiative is, generally speaking, a good thing, isn't it? Most of us would think, you know, quite good to have some initiative. Like this guy. Uh, he was going to bed one night. He just uh, was just drawing the curtains, and he saw out of his uh, bedroom window there were a couple of young lads breaking into his shed. So he thought, oh, that's not very good. He dialed 999. The police said, uh, well, okay, but we're rather busy at the moment, but we will send someone to help as soon as we can. He put the phone down. Two minutes later, he phoned him again, 999, and they answered. And he said, hi, it's the man with two young men trying to break into his shed. But you don't have to hurry now. I've shot them. Five police cars arrived within two minutes, together with a, with a helicopter over, over, overhead, and two ambulances parked outside his house. And uh, the two men got arrested. And then one of the officers uh, uh, said to uh, the guy on the phone, he said, um, um, I thought you said you'd shot them. 
To which he replied, I thought you said you had no one in the area. So a little bit of initiative is a, big, is a good thing, isn't it? But actually, what you've got here is this question about initiative in prayer. Who takes the first step when we pray? Because it's easy for us to think, isn't it? You know, well, well, I've got to pray, I've got to get down to it, it's up to me, it's my initiative. And then we struggle to pray and we think, well, I'm really rather busy, I haven't got much time to pray. And to be honest, I don't really want to pray and I'm not sure, really, really sure how to pray. But who takes the initiative here in Genesis chapter 18? Well, it starts in verse 1. So just turn back that page. The Lord appeared to Abraham. And then look at verse 19 again. For I have chosen, this is God speaking of Abraham, I have chosen him so that he will direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord and so on. That is initiative. That is God taking the first step. Or look at verse 22. The men turned away and went towards Sodom, but Abraham remained standing before the Lord, or the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Whichever way around it is, the two guys who are with the Lord are there, and he's there with Abraham because he wants to have a conversation with him. He wants to speak to him. He wants, him, he wants Abraham to speak to him and so on. Or uh, look at verse 33, the last verse there. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he left. And Abraham returned home. So who had taken the initiative there? So when we pray, God has taken the initiative. It is the Lord Almighty who is taking, making the first move. Now say you're a teenager. Can you remember back that far? Maybe you are a teenager, and you're in KO. And to be honest, part of the reason, well, actually, let's be really honest, the main reason you're at KO uh, is the uh, rather pretty young girls who are there and the good-looking boys, okay? And uh, anyway, there's uh, one girl in particular, and you saw her looking at you, and, uh, uh, and you think she noticed and so on, and uh, uh, you've noticed one another. So what's going to happen? Who's going to take the first move? Who's going to take the initiative? Well, I hope one of you does. But the really encouraging thing when you pray is that God has always taken that first move. God's there. He's always made that first move. He's always the one who's made the initiative, taken the initiative to help us, to encourage us to pray. He's called us if we're Christians. He's us. He's brought us to life and to light. And he's standing before us as our servant, wanting us to be with him, to speak with him. The initiative always lies with God. We're merely responding. That's why it's always good to begin praying with thanksgiving for the God who's taken the initiative to help us to come to him in prayer. So the privilege of prayer, initiative in prayer, and we're going to go fairly quickly because we've got to uh, six of these points, the last two are brief are those, so uh, don't worry. Uh, third, the power of prayer. The power of prayer. Now this simply follows on from the privilege of prayer uh, and the initiative in prayer. We're, if we're speaking to God Almighty, then that makes praying immensely powerful. Actually, it's not prayer in itself that, that's immensely powerful, but it's just the person we're talking to. Now, Tuesday afternoon, Last Tuesday, uh, I've been preparing for the uh, PCC meeting, the church council meeting, uh, and in particular, this discussion about the possibility of us going to St. Leonard's. I'll tell you a little bit more about it later on in the service, but it's, it's this 
little A5 handout you were given uh, as you came in. And um, I was, I've been thinking about that and so on. And, uh, uh, and there are all sorts of need be, things need to be sorted if we're going to go down and uh, help revitalize the church at St. Leonard's. The building could be very costly. The legal stuff to enable us to, to be there and to ensure future vicars uh, would carry on the work. It's very important. People from here and Go, uh, Goldstone and Holy Cross going um, would leave holes. There would be bereavements in terms of, you know, they're no longer here and so on. And uh, uh, gaps to be filled up and all the rest of it. And, um, uh, and then after I prepared for the PCC, I then began preparing for tonight. And that meant reading Genesis chapter 18. And when all this thing, stuff was packing up, you know, if we got the right people to go, would we have enough money and all the rest of it? And we're just about starting tomorrow morning on, on uh, building down the church hall and everything. And I thought, well, this is really, this is a bit of a tall order, isn't it, really? Now look at verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I have to say to you, that, that just hit me like, a, like, a, like a, one of the buses outside the church. Uh, it, was, it was hugely significant. Is anything too hard for the Lord? God can make a 90-year-old postmenopausal woman pregnant. So is anything too hard for the Lord? Is St. Leonard's too hard for the Lord? Of course not. Is raising three quarters of a million or so for the church hall too hard for the Lord and having all the money in before we start building in the morning? Well, he's done it. Is anything too hard for the Lord? The power of prayer. There is nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing too hard for the Lord. So we can bring to him anything and everything. Anything and everyone and everything. Nothing is too big. Nothing is too small. Nothing is too difficult. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Of course not. Of course not. Well, that's number three, the power of prayer. Number four is God sharing himself in prayer. And this is really the core of Abraham's prayer. This is uh, an important point. So, verses 16 to 33. You, you look at his prayer and you think, well, surely this is God beat, uh, being beaten down by Abraham. Uh, this is like a negotiation. This, this feels like Brexit and all the stuff that David Davis is heading up, doesn't it? So you look at verses 23 and 24. And uh, Abraham approached him, the Lord, and said, Will you sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? And it, it looks as if he kind of beats God down. 50, 45, 40, 30, 20, 10. And it feels like, um, you know, Abraham is driving a hard bargain with God over the number of righteous people in Sodom who are going to, uh, and, and how many of those you need to stop God from destroying the place. And it raises all sorts of questions here, like, well, is, does that mean that God's changing his mind? I mean, did God want to destroy it? And then Abraham's kind of intervenes. Did God change his mind? Does God change his mind? Can God change his mind? Will it be right and moral if God changed his mind? What kind of a God would it be if he changed his mind? Or is God weak? And if he is weak, then would he really be God? And is Abraham no better than God? So what's going on here? 
Well, I want to say, if you think that Genesis 18 and this kind of negotiation, inverted commas, between Abraham and God uh, is, uh, is some kind of cosmic bargaining process, I think that is to completely misunderstand it. Because what God is doing here is, and it's an illustration of what God is doing here, is he's sharing himself with Abraham. Look at verses 17 and 18. Then the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? That's an absolutely key bit, okay? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. And the unspoken thing there, I think, the thing that's underneath it all is actually saying, God saying, I want Abraham to understand my justice, and I want him to be just like I am. That's what's going on here. He's not being beaten down. He is a just God. He wants Abraham to see it, to understand it. And he wants Abraham, who, in verse 18, is going to become a great and powerful nation. He wants the father of that nation to be a just man, a man after God's own heart. You know, um, or you've heard of General William Booth, the uh, founder of the Salvation Army. He once said this, While women weep, as they do now, I'll fight. While children go hungry, as they do now, I'll fight. While men go down to prison, in, out, in, out, as they do now, I'll fight. While there is a drunkard left, while there is a poor lost girl upon the streets, while there remains one dark soul without the light of God, I'll fight, and I'll fight to the very end. Now that's is a man who had justice in his heart, the justice of God in his heart. And here, in Genesis 18, we have God placing his planned actions under Abraham's scrutiny. That's extraordinary, isn't it? But true. And he's subjecting them to Abraham's questions, not so that God will change his mind but so that Abraham would understand God's justice better and be a just person himself, like William Booth. God is sharing himself as Abraham prays. And he's using this prayer of Abraham for Abraham to grow and to understand in what God is like, to be more like God in his own actions. That actually is a huge thing about what praying is like and what that prayer is for that we might understand God's, understand his actions, and become more like him. That's what happens when anyone prays, because God is wanting to join in with and to understand what he's doing in this world. You see, it's a bit like, imagine going to your favorite musical in London, and it's your favorite, and you know that some of the tunes, you know the words off by heart, you know the tunes, and you just love it, and you're really enjoying it, and it's just getting to the climax, and you're playing your all-time favorite, and then suddenly the lead singer jumps down off the stage, goes down the aisle, grabs you by the hand, and says, come on, come on to the stage and sing with me. And one of, one of these guys who's dressed in black in the wings gives you a, a mic as, as you come onto the stage, and you're there, lights are on, all your, your heroes are up here, and you're singing along with them. What an evening. What a highlight. What a moment of your life. And that's what's going on here. Joining in with what God is doing. Being there with him. 
God sharing his heart, his soul, his life with you. Oh, and by the way, if you want to know about a God of justice, and you're talking to your friends about a God of justice, then have a look at verse 25. I've often used this. If you've done a Christianity Explored course with me, um, if we end up talking about those who've never heard and so on, um, I just love the end of verse 25. Will not the judge of all the earth do right? Because in the end, we, ju- we just simply trust God that in the end we believe that on judgment day, he will do right. And everyone will know that. Even those for whom the decision is an appalling one for them. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? That is a verse worth remembering. So the privilege of prayer, initiative in prayer, power of prayer, God sharing himself in prayer, teaching us about him, helping us to understand him as we pray. And then two uh, uh, just brief ones before uh, I finish. Awed confidence in prayer. Just look at at Abraham's attitude to God here. Deference and humility would be appropriate. And deference and humility is exactly what you see. Look at verse 27, for instance. Abraham spoke up again. Now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes. Or verse 31. uh, Abraham said, now that I've been so bold as to speak to the Lord... And so on. Abraham is intimate, but he's not kind of familiar. There is a deep respect. And as he prays, it's with confidence, but it is an awed confidence, isn't it, of his great God Almighty. Then in verse 32, let me speak just once more. You see his attitude? It's good, isn't it? I think it is an awed confidence. I I guess if you're a bit younger, this is a good thing to know, a good thing to see here. Because uh, certainly as as I used to work in uh, youth work stuff and so on, it's very easy for younger folks to get, I would estimate, over-familiar with God. Yes, intimate. But it's like kind of meeting Prince Charles or the Duke of Edinburgh and going, huh? All right, mates, or something. This is God Almighty we're talking to. Let's remember that. When we come to pray, pause for a moment. Take a deep breath. Remember who you're talking to. And speak with awed confidence. And then just uh, one final thing. Amazing love in prayer. Amazing love. Abraham, I think, had amazing love. Amazing love for God. But also amazing love for Sodom. I mean, we're at at the end of the Pride weekend now, aren't we? But what's your attitude to the people who've been here in Brighton over this weekend? I guess Brighton in some ways is, uh, not just this weekend, but uh, uh, in some ways uh, quite like Sodom. But do you love the people who live here? Because we should. 
You don't have to agree with the behaviour, say, of this weekend. Or like what we think they stand for. But we've got to love folks. All folks. All people. And serve them. We've got to love people. Abraham loved the people of Sodom. I know it's more complicated than that, but he loved the people of Sodom. Maybe it's because his nephew Lot was there, but surely that's not the only reason. He loves people and he loves God. And do you find it hard to pray? Do you find, uh, to be honest, you don't really want to pray terribly much? You just need to get it out of the way and get on with the day? Well, one thing we could do is to ask God to help you to love people. To love the people you pray for. And uh, to ask God to say, Lord, please help me to love people more. That's a good daily prayer, isn't it? And because we know God wants us to love people, we know he'll, he'll be answering and helping us to do that. Or if you've got to say an issue with someone here, Lord, please help me to love X, Y, Z. Because frankly, you know I find them a bit awkward. Please help me to love them. And please help me to pray for them. But note the love here in this chapter. I think that's not insignificant. So six things from Abraham and his one-to-one with God Almighty. A huge privilege. Abraham taking the initiative, God taking the initiative here. Let's get it right. God taking the initiative in prayer. The power of it. You're linking up with God Almighty and God sharing himself. So that as we pray, we get to know God better and understand him more and so on. And then note the awed confidence in Abraham's approach and the amazing love that he has in his heart. Let me just uh, lead us in a short prayer and then Gillian's going to come and lead us further. Father, thank you so much uh, for Genesis chapter 18. Thank you for Abraham. Thank you for his praying there. And Father, thank you for uh, this chapter as it reveals to us life. It's with you standing before us as we pray. Almost as our, as our servant. And with the sharing of yourself with us as we pray. So we may know you better. Father, please. Uh, We pray that as we've looked at your word tonight, so you would be encouraging us to pray for Jesus' sake. Amen.